to the big show, ladies and gentlemen. This is As Lutheran As It Gets. As always, we are your co-host, Pastor Christopher Gillespie. Maxing and relaxing, chilling and willing. Dr. Heisenbrew. Mm-hmm. Always Shipping my coffee from Random Lake, Wisconsin now. It's hard yeah, to find. Random Lake. Welcome to the new, the new habitat. Somewhere between Sheboygan and Milwaukee in the wilds of Wisconsin roams a man. Half human, half coffee roaster. I think the coffee tastes better. You know, I'm roasting with air, hot air, right? Yeah. Um, and the air is better. So I think the coffee tastes better. Oh, 100%. How can I, it not? Yeah. The air is exactly. better. The, the water's different. I mean, yeah, no. Well, I don't you use water that. to roast coffee. I was just, I was thinking, about my, I'm sorry, I was projecting. It tastes better. The coffee tastes once better. Once we moved out of the, once we moved out of Minneapolis, St. Paul and moved to the country, yeah, everything changed. The quality of everything was better. Plus our, our property is built on a hundred, 200 year old cow pasturage. Nice. So it's fertile, soil, fertile land. Fertile soil. It's fertile land. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Donovan Riley, your techno Viking entertainment for this evening today is a special podcast this will not be on galatians lectures or luther's galatians lectures even though we will eventually come back to them and by eventually i mean as soon as is humanly possible that's our safe space here at the show the galatians Mm -hmm. lectures and we have been what do you want to say tasked by our corporate overlords pastor aaron fanker and uh, company to dive into uh, the Catechism Prayer Book published by Higher Things. Yeah. And so this is a sort of infomercial, if you will. Yeah, but good content. A uh, long time in the, in the making, right? Very long. We actually went through two media executives to get this published. <laughs> it broke one. <laughs> no, Pastor uh, Mark Buto. But uh, Pastor Buto started this project. Pastor Finker finished this project. And so we are batting cleanup and putting it in front of you so that you can get a little taste of what's in the Catechism Prayer Book. And hopefully, especially when you hear this episode, consider buying it for friends and family, for folks at church, maybe for your pastor for Christmas. Yeah. Tis the season. And so we took it upon ourselves as the flag bearers for the third article of the Creed. (laughs) Since it gets such, uh, why why do you think that is actually? We've not really talked about that too much on air. But why do you think in the Lutheran Church, of all places, that the third article of the Creed, especially the Catechism explanation, gets such short shrift in amongst Lutherans? Well, I mean, I think it's worth remembering. Uh, let's see, where did I learn this? Uh, first four centuries of the Church. Who's that? Werner Ehlert? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Eucharistic Fellowship in the first four centuries. Right. I think he talks about it, or maybe it's the Nagel book about the early church. What was that one? Mm, hmm. uh, <laughs> well, regardless. the uh, Mentally, the, we're synced up. We sighed at the same time. The third article was historically the shortest article. So Correct. Originally because just, it was the last doctrinal debate to actually occur. Right. So originally, it's just, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right. If, if I'm not wrong, correct me if you remember, but it was really Montanus who forced that conversation. Mm, yeah. So, or Every, the pneumatitians the or however it goes. Yeah. Basically, people who claimed that they were the walking physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Right. They viewed the Spirit more of as like an animus of God, right? Just kind of correct. Get yeah. you going. An emanation, a empowering, enabling force right. for but, good. 
but not not a actual person of God. <laughs> no, more like mitochlorians or midichlorians. Oh, so it's the George Lucas theologians of the church. That's right. Shout out to Eric Brown. That one is for you, buddy. <laughs> so go read the Gospel according to Star Wars, yeah. which is an actual book, and you'll get a peek into what we're talking about with the pneumatologists, pneumatarians, uh, the whatever. Pneuma coming from spirit or, or breath, right? Right, the Greek word. Yeah. But uh, so then they had expand the article uh, as the creed is not only saying here's what we believe, but uh, right. implicitly then also saying here's what we don't believe. You mm-hmm. know, in contrast to these, uh, you know, heretics. Well, we even see this in Corinth when, because in the creed we confess we believe in the resurrection of the body, uh, in some resurrection of the flesh, mm-hmm. and this, and so even in Corinth they believed they were already living in the resurrection, so to speak. They were yeah. already glorified. Right. And thus, why get drunk and have orgies? Well, because we're in the resurrection already, and therefore everything we do is to God's glorification because it's we are... Glo- like actually making manifest the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, yes, right? that's right. Yes. But in the way of the pagan celebration of the pagan mystery cults that were so prevalent in Corinth. Of a, of a pagan wedding too, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And so we see it is a constant temptation to, once again, try and get a hold of God in such a way that we get to call the shots. We're in control. Mm, okay. And so if we can't get a hold of Jesus, we push back against the sacraments. We distance ourselves from the bodiliness of Jesus, of God's word. Uh, we do this in the Old Testament with the Odyssey. We push back against the Odyssey because we don't want God to be enfleshed amongst us. We don't want him to be in the tent in the center of the camp. We'd prefer him to be like the pagan gods that out we can, there in the mountains. Yeah, we can go go up on the mountain and find him when we need him, but the rest of the time, exactly, you know, keep our distance. Right. And, and the only thing worse than an embodied word is a disembodied spirit who comes through, by the way, wraps himself in these physical gifts of words, water, bread, and wine. Yeah, so you have, uh, you know, the contrast with Jesus' own words saying the Spirit blows when and where he wills, and we don't right. know the sound of it or where it comes from, you know, yeah. so it is with the Holy Spirit. Well, right. um, you know, that <laughs> then then he actually promises the Holy Spirit later on, right? Right. Especially right. in John's Gospel. Uh, after All the time, yeah. Yeah, so that the Spirit will be living and active in a very particular way, and you will know where to right. find him <laughs> and what he's and doing. And this was actually an argument, too, since we're talking history, that led to the split between the Eastern and the Western churches, because does mm. the spirit proceed from the father and the son? Mm-hmm. Is the spirit, what, what is the spirit? Is he an emanation of God or is he a, a person of the Trinity? And the West fell into the ditch of modalism. We call it one God, three masks. Whereas the East fell into the ditch of three gods, one person, one mask. Mm. And so you'll see in the Trinitarian controversies in the early church, and there's books floating around, you can read these things still to this day. Often when they went too far, you either ended up arguing for three gods that wear one mask or one God that wore three masks. And then they end up splitting, especially over this whole matter of the Holy Spirit, because as Luther asks in, I think it's question 10 in Christian questions with their answers, did the Father also die for you? Yeah. No, the Father is uh, God, as is the Holy Spirit, but the Son is both true God and true man. He shed his blood for me on the cross and died for me for the forgiveness of sins. Right. Distinction of persons, unity of substance, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Right. So that's Athanasian Creed, which yeah. does makes the same point, right? Right, correct. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into the prayer book on the third article is what we're saying. And, and it the second article, part three, is what I'm on right now. And I need to not be on the second article, part three, but the third article, part one. Oh, okay. Let me get to it, too. Third article, part one. There we go. 52 for us. The third article, part one. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But... And there's the gospel, but, Mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. This is most certainly true. Yeah, there should be dot, 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 right? Because there's more. There is more. So then the prayer book continues. And do you want to, since you're the producer, do you want to tell our listeners too where these prayers come from and where the catechism prayer book comes from? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, This is written, these are written by Pastor Mark Buto, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. So these are reflections on uh, what we just read. You know, so both the the creed and its explanation according to Luther. And, uh, you know, this is, I don't, Maybe we don't talk about prayer as doing this, but, um, you know, maybe too often, maybe we just use like written prayers and Mm -hmm. even, and then our extemporaneous prayers are kind of just, you know, Lord, I want to, you know, or I just just need. Right. Uh, Whereas, you know, in Luther's understanding, prayer is a way of digging deep into God's word and and the way that it intersects with your life. Right. Right. Which is... Why so much of his theology is grounded in the Psalms, not simply because it's a monastic habit, a discipline within the monastic tradition that Luther was a part of the Augustinian order, Mm -hmm. but all monastic traditions. And then his first lectures as a professor of Old Testament were on the Psalms. He spent two years there. The Psalms were the catalyst for what came about then finally in the Romans lectures in 1517 regarding the righteousness of God, justification by faith alone. You even see him working through the simile usus et peccator uh, because this wasn't something Luther invented. St. Augustine actually came up with the term uh, simultaneously just and sinner. However, St. Augustine said we're partly just and partly sinner mm-hmm. in ourself. Partum, way, partum. Our, yeah. Partum, partum. But we're, it's all taking place internally, whereas Luther said, no, internally it's sin and resistance. Externally over there in Jesus's body is our righteousness. So Luther builds upon the Psalms to formulate that doctrine also. Yeah. And that's why throughout his career, anything you read by Luther will be peppered with Psalms or the language of the Psalms. Right. It's his, it is literally, it, we, you and I will talk to our people about the like liturgical piety or hmm. liturgy, that when you get grounded in the historic liturgy of the church, it becomes a part of your everyday language. Right, yeah. Next, yeah. Yeah, it comes out in your preaching, right? I mean, you'll, you'll just yes. quote and... Uh, <laughs> or in Bible study, and you'll say, mm-hmm. well, you know, you, you, you've heard it said, <laughs> uh, like right, Jesus yeah. does, right? You, you know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but he doesn't tell you where you've heard that said. You know, you just right. maybe implicitly know, or you just, right. 
uh, it doesn't even actually matter what the citation is, right. just knowing, right. you know, either Hammurabi or the scriptures. <laughs> right. Well, this happened in Bible study yesterday. We're mm-hmm. reading through the large catechism on baptism. We read Luther's conclusion to why or what we teach about baptism before he dives into infant baptism and that argument. We then ended up going to Psalm 31, 1 through 5, and then back into angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven and the yeah, Sanctus. Yeah, yeah. Tying, because why? Because baptism makes you holy. And so right. what is a saint? And what is the company of heaven? What does that mean? Well, that's all those who have died in Christ. And therefore, baptism matters in a very practical, concrete, and real way, but grounded in that historical liturgical heritage, that language, that tradition, it all becomes, as you said, it's it's a walking, talking lexicon. Yeah, yeah, it's the way we speak. And this is, you know, how Luther instructs, I think, in his preface um, mm-hmm. as to how to use the catechism is that we teach the children, especially the words, mm-hmm. right. and then we teach them perhaps the meaning of the words. Right. They come to right. learn the meaning of what they're saying. But first they have to just learn to say it, right? And then, yes, right. And then um, to confess it, right? And that's what mm-hmm. we now call confirmation, um, for better or for worse. But the point being is that they come to make these words their own and then um, not necessarily always quote them verbatim, but, but let them mm-hmm. shape and direct right. their life, right? Right, And exactly. their faith. Yeah. And so that's really what Buto is after here. And again, much respect and an immense amount of gratitude for the work because Absolutely. He, he nails it. Well, and this is also what Luther, you know, said mm-hmm. to do is to, or what he did in himself in his own practice. Correct. Is Every day. He right. prayed the catechism. Well, how does that go? Did he just recite the words? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. He recited the words and then let it speak mm-hmm. um, to what he's been studying. He marinated yeah, exactly, and reflect yeah. upon it, and so this is like these are like meditations upon the catechism, right. if you like, in a prayer form. Right. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in now. O Holy Spirit, Comforter and Giver of Life, receive my prayer of thanks for your work of bringing me into Christ's kingdom. Hmm. I would never know of Jesus's death and resurrection for sinners, except that you have broadcast it to the world through the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the holy sacraments. Lord, I was born dead in trespasses and sins. I was brought into this world in darkness, turned inward, an enemy of God. I was nothing but an object of God's wrath, unable to save myself and unable to turn away from sin and evil. But it was you, Holy Spirit, through the word and water of my baptism, who called me, enlightened me, and made me holy in Christ. Yeah, brilliant. That's, yeah, that's it. There you go. Done. I, li- I like how... Uh, <laughs> Mic drop. I and like how, still more. <laughs> how he uses language from more than one place, right? Yes, that's so, what I noticed immediately too. Yeah, you have the preaching of the gospel administration of the sacraments is a quote from Augsburg, right? Right. Confession, uh, one yes. of the Lutheran confessions, but also uses contemporary language, like broadcasting it through the world. The large is, catechism, he's using the language of the Psalms, he's using the language of Romans, with the, while we were yet enemies of God, Christ right. died for us. Turned inward is a, mm-hmm. is a huge phrase in Luther, right? Referring Curved to, in on ourselves, uh-huh. incurvatus in se est. Correct. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I mean, that's such an elegant, paragraph. And uh, for those of you listening, uh, this reaction is genuine too. I've only seen the proofs of this book as it was being 
put through publishing. Mm -hmm. And so I've checked off on some things and I've proofed some things, but I've never sat down and actually meditated on this myself. Yeah. And so my reaction is going to be the same as your reaction uh, to hearing or reading this. So in case I say things like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's not, I'm not manufacturing that. I literally haven't read this. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Well, and my reaction is, um, um, I could pray this. Uh, I actually would want to pray this, right? Yeah, yeah. right, 100%. Yeah. At least this is for you and I, I think this is right down our pious alley, so to speak. This is our piety in a nutshell, this one paragraph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is receive my prayer of thanks for your work of bringing me into Christ's kingdom. There's the death of the old Adam. That's the trumpet blast right there. Wow. I would never know of Jesus' death and resurrection for sinners except you broadcast it to the world. Again, this is straight out of the large catechism. We spent the last three months before we dove into the large catechism on baptism on this very thing. Mm, that, yeah, if, if, if the Holy Spirit didn't publish the gospel, we would know nothing about Jesus, mm -hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it has to be broadcast. It's external, right? Like right. We were just saying. And I think I was talking with Pastor Finker actually this morning about this, that this is what really aggravates and drives the old Adam into fits because it renders us powerless. We don't have any agency over the gospel, over salvation, over our own death. Mm -hmm. we, we, we have no agency. There's nothing we can do to take responsibility for it other than to say, I was born dead in sin, brought into a world of darkness, an enemy of God, nothing but an object of God's wrath. That's And not an object of God's wrath because God seeks out hmm. punishment. Like right. God does not right. seek me out to punish me, but rather every time God comes to me to discipline me with his word of law and turn me towards Jesus that I might be saved, enjoy the comfort and consolation of the gifts, look toward my death in hope, Mm -hmm. I run to death and hell right. willingly. I willingly choose that. Yeah. That's what this means. This is what this points to. And and to God's own character, uh, he, right. he does, I mean, he inflicts his, his wrath, his punishment, of course, not to hurt and harm us eternally, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> to damn us. Right. Um, but he also, he must, right? I mean, it is, mm -hmm. it, it is just and right and good right. for him to do so. It's not like, he's not like this um, evil vindictive kind right. of God who, who just sometimes, you know, is capricious, right? That's the word we use. Right. Arbitrary and capricious. Arbitrary, yeah. yeah. No, he, Unpredictable. This He's completely predictable. Completely. <laughs> In fact, he's kind of a one-note Johnny. Yeah. And this is, I think, the hinge is Holy Spirit through the word and water of my baptism who called mm. me, enlightened me, and made me holy in Christ. I think, going back to what I asked earlier, this sentence summarizes why we ignore the third article of the creed, especially as Lutherans. Mm. Because especially when we argue about holiness and sanctification, we always, always default to, well, this is where I get to take personal agency for my salvation. Yeah. Versus Luther already knows that 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 approach vector because it was taught to him in the late medieval system of theology. And even his own peers and students are challenging him on this all the time. And thus he's already spent close to 20 years actually by the time he gets to the catechism struggling within himself in the monastery with this question. Then in his lectures, putting it out there for his students in conversation with other faculty, asking them, what do you think? Right. And then when he publishes it, he's attacked for it almost immediately. 
First in a polite academic sense, but then after about a year, it's no longer polite or academic. It's wholesale, sit down, shut up, know your place, teach what you're given to teach and stop innovating. Because at, at root is that need to take, well, we believe God's arbitrary and capricious. And therefore, if I don't have personal agency, how can I trust that I'm going to get what I want or need from him? Yeah. And so the medieval world had, the medieval Christian world had established a whole system to try to answer that question. Right. Yeah. And, but it was not by the way of here's how God answers the question, but rather, right. Here's how we manipulate God. Here's how we want God to answer the question when we ask. Right. And this is how we're going to convince him to do it our way. Right. And for those listening, this is modern Protestant theology also. Mm-hmm. Therefore, as I made this point yesterday in Bible study, because this came up, Roman Catholic theology and Protestant theology is two sides of the same coin. They have a different polity, one's hierarchical, one's congregational. But theologically, their their teaching on holiness is almost lockstep the same, mm-hmm. which is you've got to do something, whether is, it's an external work or the work of faith internally. And therein is some irony when uh, right? so many Lutherans, even from the beginning of the Missouri Synod in particular, uh, mm-hmm. CFW Walter are like, well, that's too Roman Catholic is always a kind of an argument, and yet, <laughs> right. and yet they're they're criticizing like externals and forgetting that actually their 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 belief set actually yes. has a lot in common with Roman Catholicism, right. and that's the thing that needs critiquing Correct. more so than the the practices. So then, when someone asks you, the listener, whether or not you are holy, whether or not you are growing in holiness, however it's phrased. All you say, catechetically and biblically speaking, is, I'm baptized, I'm holy. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. I have Jesus through those gifts. And that's exactly. Enough. That's and enough. we don't back off of it. We double and triple down on it when we're pushed. Hmm. So, Buto continues, forgive me for every false thought and false faith, which trusts in myself to believe in you. <laughs> Teach me that faith itself, the very act of believing, is your gift alone, without which I would perish. Let me never trust in my own heart or even in my faith, as if it is by my own reason and willpower that I could become and remain a Christian. Cast far from me every false belief that trusts something in myself and my own will. Guard me from every temptation to believe that I have some measure of good in me by which I can choose my religion and God. Rather, stir up in me always a sanctified heart that gives thanks for the unearned gift of salvation won by my Lord Jesus and given to me in the holy means of grace. Well, there you go. There you just cut off modern Protestantism. Yeah, at every pass, right? At every pass. Because this is what we do. We, If we can't turn an external work like baptism into a sign of our good faith effort, we'll turn faith itself into a sign <laughs> of a good faith effort. Our ability to believe in our ability to believe. Yeah, reason and strength, right? As Luther said in his explanation. And he points this out in the large catechism under baptism. If the sectarians argue against our position on baptism, then 
they're arguing against the substance of baptism. If they say baptism is nothing, hmm. they're still arguing against something, and therefore they themselves prove by their argument that baptism is something. Or as he says, if a prostitute wears gold jewelry, it doesn't negate the fact that it's gold jewelry and has value. Hmm. Likewise, the Lord's Supper, which is the argument he uses to to justify infant baptism, the Lord's Supper is the Lord's Supper by virtue of the Word of God mm-hmm. and the work of the Spirit, not your faith. Therefore, a, as he said, a Jew could come into our congregation under false pretenses, lie his way to the Lord's table, eat and drink, and still receive the body and blood of Jesus. However, because he does it under false pretenses, it's to his judgment but that does not negate the fact that this is the body and blood of Jesus under the bread and wine. Yeah, the uh, the Latin phrase, right, from the Confessions, mandacatio imperium. For some yes. reason, I was, I was, uh, that was a essential memorization in my mm. in my Lutheran catechism. A lot of those Latin phrases remind me of Italian cuisine. Oh, so it's nice. Yeah, mandacatio sounds like a pasta. Or mandicatio, something like tortellini. Yeah. Well, it's mandible, Nicolta. right? You have to. Right. It, yeah. You, what are you doing? The the impious are chewing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're mandibling the body and blood. Yeah, they Instead still receive it. It's, it's to their to their judgment. This this goes around still in our own circles, though, right? Oh, 100 percent. Is that is that we try to add our faith, not the faith that, that's given to us, but, mm-hmm. but rather our own will or, or our own belief? Mm-hmm. Um, that somehow that makes the thing what it is, rather than correct than the bare word of God, right? Right, because again, we we want to take some personal ownership of that which is not given to us in the way of gift. So where the gift is given, we treat it as if it's of no substance. It's not a big thing. It's nothing. It's not something. And then where God is not present in his gifts, we treat that as if that's everything, not just a something, but it's everything. Yeah, and we can make it that in the way of of the medieval Roman system, you know, hocus pocus, right? right? We say the magic words. Yes. And there it is, you know? Right. Hmm. In in fact, to, to use Luther's analogy, the prostitute and the gold jewelry, we basically throw the gold jewelry in the garbage as if it's worth nothing, and say, "Whoa! Now I see that you've worn now that you've worn this gold jewelry. I now see how valuable you are hmm. as a woman, as a potential mate, as a future wife and mother of my children." No, you missed the point. <laughs> yeah, you've 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 flipped the two tables of the commands, so to speak. Hmm. Go read the go read the minor prophet Hosea. Hmm. So Buto continues, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your saving work in the holy means of grace. I thank you for the water and word of holy baptism, in which I was sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, rescued from sin and death, and given God's name upon me. I thank you for holy absolution in which my pastor speaks in Christ's place to forgive my sins. I give you thanks for the word written by your inspiration in the Holy Scriptures and preached and taught in the church. I thank you for the body and blood of Jesus by which he comes to me and forgives me. By these holy gifts and these alone, you sanctify me, make me holy, and keep me in the true faith of Christ. By these same gifts, Holy Spirit, preserve me in that faith of Christ until the day of my death, that I may fall asleep in Jesus, comforted by his gifts against all fear of sin and death. Nice. Yeah, right? Yeah, comforting. 
That's what I was just thinking too. I didn't really have a theological thought. I was just thinking, this is very comforting. And we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't le- really do that. Liturgically, it's pretty much limited to Pentecost. It really is. We pray for the Spirit, we pray in the Spirit, but rarely do we pray to the Spirit. Yeah, like the, the common termination to our prayers is, oh, uh, through Jesus Christ, oh, and in the unity with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Lest we forget. This is why uh, my 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 Dr. Fater always referred to the Holy Spirit as the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity. Or as uh, Dr. Nagel said, the, the bashful member of the Trinity. Yes. Well, and it's true in a Trinitarian context, You'll notice in the Gospels, Jesus points to the Father and the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Father points to Jesus and the Spirit, and the Spirit points to Jesus and the Father. Yeah, he doesn't draw attention to himself. In the Eastern Church, it's called the Perichoretic Union, or perichoresis. Look at that. Neighborliness. Yeah, Yeah, right? We're all full of Latin and Greek today. We're on point. But but it's true. I mean, he does not, he's not sent um, to show himself, right? with right. unique works and and there's you know there's a whole body of of christians that think of the spirit as having some something uh, doing something other than revealing the son and the father right. right right yeah which that's the thing is you can't make too much of jesus <laughs> and yet sometimes the other persons of the trinity are overshadowed and eclipsed because we make so much of christ hmm in fact, they're used to, I can't remember if it, it's not really thrown around that much anymore, but at least in the Reformation, the, the solaists was a derogatory term. Oh, really? Right. That all you ever, you reduce the entire Trinity down to Jesus. You're just a, you're a cheap modalist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, no, he, he is all in all. God did make his enemies his footstool and give him all authority over heaven and earth. And all of the angels bow and worship and praise to him. So, yeah, I'm going to go with. Scripture. Well, you can't know of the Father but by the Son, right? 100% of the time. Exactly. And Jesus is the fullness of the image of God. Colossians. (laughs) Bodily, right? Bodily, exactly. So, therefore, all we can know, all that God wants us to know about him is Jesus. Yeah. This is where the theology of glory pops up when we try to see God apart from Jesus. Yeah, and and which is never good, never. Well, and then the miraculous works of 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 God uh, in in anything but the ones that are accomplished mm-hmm. in us by Jesus, right, right, right. right. You know? So, so the the Spirit does what? Uh, you know, He would gather a great church so that it has p- power and influence in the world. No, <laughs> gathers mm-hmm. a great church around Christ to be right. forgiven and to be saved, right? Right. And to strengthen us in the midst of affliction and temptation by sin, the world, and the devil. Right. So let's continue. Forgive me, Lord, for turning away from and despising your means of grace. Forgive me for seeking your word and will or presence and blessings apart from the water, the word, and the body and blood. Forgive me for trying to figure you out and know you apart from the ways in which you have promised to come to me and be with me. Guard me, Holy Spirit, from every temptation to look for God working apart from the means of grace. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me not fall. It's it's always nice when Buto and I, or maybe it's not. 
I don't know. How does that work? It's always good when Buto and I are on the same page. Let's not complain. Yeah. But then I second guess myself. Well, we're on the same wavelength because we have the same source material. So there, there you, go. you go. That's that's the way to say it. Mm-hmm. It's it is always good for me when the sermon agrees with the hymns and the creed. Correct. Yeah. And then you read the catechism and someone says, hey, pastor, I remember that you made that point in your sermon three weeks ago. Or, oh, we talked about that in Bible study. And I think, oh, thank goodness I'm Orthodox. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good to be affirmed in that way. Uh, Well, affirmed by the sure, steadfast word of God or that of faithful (laughs) preachers and teachers. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, not my own people. No. That's not, no. (laughs) A little dangerous, (laughs) perhaps. These are the people who still demand, they're like, Pastor, why can't we have a German Christmas Eve service? Mm, Because I'm the only person who speaks German. (laughs) And and as I've learned now, uh, the way that you you speak German, I can barely even understand it. <laughs> right. What dialect <laughs> is that? Oh, it's Lithuanian. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, they just it's it's kind of it's almost like an Amish form of German. <laughs> it's like isolated from the world for over a century. That's right. It's it's, it's from the hills of West Virginia, except it's uh, yeah, right. German. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Guard me, Holy Spirit, from every temptation to look for God working apart from the means of grace. Let me not fall under the influence of any preaching or teaching that directs me to my heart or life or circumstances to know my faith. Mm-hmm. Rather, when I doubt or am afraid or worried, draw me again to the waters of my baptism, the forgiveness declared by my pastor, the word in the scriptures and preaching and the Holy Spirit or the Holy, Holy Supper. Yeah. With these and these alone, Grant me comfort against all sin, doubt, and the attacks of the devil, the world, and my sinful nature. Let me never go beyond your word and sacraments to seek you, lest I fall into despair to see God apart from Christ and his mercy. Mm, mm, mm. Nice. Lord, I pray that the word and sacraments by which you come to me would be the strong tower and shield in which I take refuge. A mighty fortress is our God. Yeah, hear it. There we go. A little Psalms action, little hymnal action. Mm-hmm. Having these gifts means having Christ, and having him means having all things in heaven and earth. Therefore, let the holy gifts by which you keep me in the faith also be my comfort against all suffering and death. Let these holy gifts be a comfort also to... And then he inserts in parentheses the names of the people that you wish to pray for. Mm -hmm. Do not let them despair in any trouble, but let them cling also to Christ in these gifts in which he has promised to be present for my life and salvation. Where people suffer who do not know Christ through these gifts, I pray that you would bring these gifts to them, that they too may be called, gathered, enlightened, sanctified and kept in the true faith let no one perish without the benefit of these holy things so that they may not perish apart from christ yeah i'm i'm thinking you know once he gave that that little parenthetical uh, names mm-hmm. you know where you can insert names that you're praying right for, you know the, the practical application for something like this um, immense i was thinking about that in relation to pastoral care as well mm-hmm. yeah so visitation that, a bedside um, right not only does this teach but it preaches 
Right. So, I mean, even opening a meeting or mm -hmm. using your catechism instruction, I mean, we're thinking pastorally here, mm -hmm. um, you know, but obviously even uh, as a devotional book, you know, for your bedside, right? Right. To wake up every morning and with your coffee or whatever, read one paragraph. If you don't, you just read one paragraph. These are fat. And I also like how how he, in the way of the Psalms, he, he, he uh, Pastor Buto is moving between you know, the positive and the negative or the, the, right. the lamentation tension. and um, extolling, right. doxologizing. Thanks. There's thanks, there's there's praise, and, mm -hmm. and but there's petitions and it, Correct. it's back and forth uh, in the way of our life, you know. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I've often talked about this running, running off of what you said. I spend most of my time, a majority of my time in the Old Testament, specifically the Psalms. And therefore, my theology and my piety and the way in which I pray, I can hear how that has formed me mm. over the last 20 plus years as far as the way I speak, the way I teach, the way I, I do pastoral care. It's very grounded in the language of the Old Testament and the theology of the Psalms, the theology of the prophets. And when I listen to someone, when I speak with other pastors or people who predominantly read the New Testament, for example, we sound different. We just yeah. do. Yeah, I'm not saying this by way of criticism or saying it's a negative, not in any way, shape, or form am I saying that. What I'm saying is it's it's a different approach vector, let's say, Yeah, which is interesting since the New Testament is a commentary on Torah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, and you have Jesus himself praying the Psalms, so maybe yes. we're just not seeing um, the way that those two, you know, mm -hmm. those texts are interacting with each other. Right. I wasn't really taught at seminary to use the Old Testament as the subtext or the foundation for my reading of the New Testament. They were treated as two different faculties because hmm. they were. So you went to Old Testament, you studied the Old Testament. When you went to New Testament, you studied the New Testament. When I had a professor who actually introduced me to the Gospels by way of Jesus's quotes, as you pointed out, that just blew my mind. Because at that point, it was something that I had looked at in cross-reference Bibles. It was something I was interested in, having read Luther, yeah. but it wasn't a part of the curriculum. Yeah, and I think some of our concern or worry is that, you know, in the scholarly world of mm -hmm. uh, New Testament interpretation, um, this is how uh, you have people like James Don or N.T. Wright or whatnot getting into sure. the new perspective on Paul, mm -hmm. is that they're they read the New Testament in a different way of Luther. They criticize Luther as saying he's reading yes. it through a medieval, you know, Roman lens. Right. Um, that forensic justification courtroom talk. <laughs> right, exactly. And, but it, I, then you have to wonder, I mean, the criticism actually mm -hmm. I think is valid because you look and say, actually, that that kind of speech is through the Old Testament. It's Jeremiah, it's Lamentations, mm -hmm. it's in the Psalms. Right. You know, right. that, that God and, and that Christ will return as our judge is not a foreign idea. Right. You know. Well, and you and I have had this conversation. I've had this conversation with a friend of mine who's an Old Testament scholar. How many times in Torah alone, in the five books of Moses alone, God is either referred to or describes himself in the language of, I am a mighty warrior who fights for my people, and I am on the side of my people. Mm. And the dichotomy there is we, uh, this goes back thousands of years, the God of the New Testament is a God of love. And the God of the Old Testament is this savage tribal God who fights for his people, overthrowing mm. these other gods and so forth and so on. Hello, Marcian. 
Right. So nice to see you again. Right. Yes. Hello, old friend. <laughs> and I think that is the the thing is the reason there's a, a dichotomy there is because we don't see that. Well, one, the everything after um, the five books of Moses, everything after Torah is a commentary on Torah which is why the prophets are constantly quoting from the Torah. Mm -hmm. And the theology of the Psalms is grounded in the five books of Moses. Lord, I meditate upon your Torah. You know. Your Torah. And thus, when we translate law in the Old Testament, we completely fail as, as exegetes and as translators to grasp the, the distinction between law as law as command and law as Torah or word of God. Mm, yeah. And thus, like we get to First John, for example, and John refers to law, he's referring to Torah or word because he's referring to Jesus. Jesus is Torah because he is God's word. And so what happens then is we read the prophecies about the Messiah in Torah, but we don't then grasp it is the word himself who is giving the prophecy to his preacher. To yeah. his prophet. We had the we had this conversation in Bible study because we were uh, studying beginning our study of Micah, uh, mm, minor prophet, yeah. and uh, there was a question about prophecy and uh, mm -hmm. the way that uh, at least one person had been instructed was that right. you know the only prophecies of the Old Testament that refer to Christ are those that are quoted again in the New Testament and, and are clearly then um, <laughs> direct prophecy, right? Right. So so Micah is quoted, you know uh, the. Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to Bethlehem, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, by Matthew. So, well, the, that means, you know, that's clearly prophecy, but the rest of it, mm, it's it has some other context. And the clear meaning is is Micah right. preaching to the people well, of Well, and his that day. goes to the point, too. If you don't understand how Hebrew time works or how the Israelites conceive of time, you don't realize that the future is the past and the past is the present and the present is the future and the past simultaneously. Because if you were to draw a straight line on a chalkboard and at the beginning point, at one and the left, side right there's your beginning point and on the right side there's your end point every point on that line folds back to an earlier point hmm. it, it's constantly not and not only does it fold back then but it actually folds forward yeah. so then the holy spirit comes from the past to announce to you that abraham was saved by faith but then comes from the future to announce to you that you and your grandmother and abraham and martin luther are already in the resurrection through faith in jesus christ so you're you're singing with all the company of heaven in the present tense, in the future, at the last day, but simultaneously those in the past, in the temple, are singing with you in the present tense. Yeah. yeah. That's the Israelite concept of time. It's not linear, but rather constantly being folded backwards, forwards, simultaneously. And thus, to your point, we don't read the prophecies that way because we read them in a Western linear fashion. Ah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. thus, we lose... Well, again, I would argue as an Old Testament guy, as a translator of Hebrew, as a pastor and a teacher, that's where we fall apart then. We lose the Old Testament piety. We lose the theology of the Psalms or the prophets because we don't know what to do with these people because they are, for lack of a better term, savages. Yeah. I gave this uh, this term for interpretation called uh, multivalent, right? And sure. they're like, well, I've yeah. never heard that term before. And I'm like, well, like a valance, right? It's like a mm -hmm. window covering. And mm -hmm. so uh, I think maybe another way to say it, you know, so there's layers of window coverings, if you like, mm -hmm. um, or uh, like an onion, right? And there's the, the peels of the onion and, you know, right. is there only well, one core to that? No, it's all the onion and it, it's understood, right. um, both understood in, say, the prophet's context, mm -hmm. it's understood in our own context, it's understood right. even before the prophecy, you know, and uh, is one or more of those the only truth? I can't remember who said it, but... 
the the essence of it was the New Testament is the hyperlink. Hmm. That's, it's just all hyperlinks for the Old Testament. They all just hyperlink to the Old Testament. Right. And if you get yourself a cross-reference Bible, a good, solid, interlinear cross-reference Bible, you can do this. I did this when I first became a Christian, started reading the Bible. I got a hold of a cross-reference Bible, a hyperlink Bible. And I just jumped back and forth through every single reference as I read. Yeah. And I was hoping, um, or I was thinking about doing some kind of project with uh, Paul's use of the Old Testament in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I found out somebody else had already done it, uh, or many people have done it. Mm-hmm. But in, in Notable is an Old Testament scholar. He's in uh, at the University of Toronto. I can't remember mm-hmm. his name now. Um, but his recent scholarship, that's that's his emphasis, is mm-hmm. Paul's use of it, especially in the way that he quotes the Septuagint. Sure. Sorry, I know you like the Hebrew, but, you know, I mean, that's Paul's usage. Yeah. You know, it's the Greek. And so uh, it's it's very, it's through and through. It's it's mm-hmm. there. It's per, it's pervasive. Right. And, and there, there's so many references that haven't even probably been uh, highlighted or, or mm-hmm. uh, remarked right. in your study Bible. So right. it's worth doing. So there you go. So to wrap this up then, wrap up the third article and Pastor Buto's writing here. Holy Spirit, you are called the comforter for good reason. For your work is to bring me the comfort of Jesus against all sin and death and hell and the wrath of God. Hmm. Key point before we move on. The word comfort in Greek, the root word for comfort is what? Paraclete. Uh, yeah, but what's the other word that Paul uses in Romans? It's the word for exhort. Ah. The word for exhortation means to comfort. That's where it comes from. The root word for exhort is comfort. What is what is the what is the Greek? What is it? Oh, now you're gonna. I knew you were gonna ask me that. You you're the man. producer. Well, it's because I always have other people shouting it at me. It's this word. It's this word. <laughs> You've got. Do you have logos on your laptop? Oh, I do. You can look yeah. it up real quick. I've got oh. about five windows open right now. Oh, I have more than that. I have eleven. So grab that for me, and I will move on. Oh, you're right. Then, it can be translated as appeal. Mm-hmm. Oh, the root there is comfort, though. The original. The original Greek is what. Oh no! But no, no, it is. It's the Pericles word. Pericles word. Yeah, there. That's what I thought. Yeah, Pericleto. Yeah, right. Per- yeah, the, root for, the word that's tra- often translated as exhort is paraclesis. Right. So, for those of you who get exhorted by your pastors in the sermons, stand up and say, "Hey, that word is pericleo. It's supposed to be comforting. You're telling me I'm supposed to go out and do stuff in order to be holy. So you struck out twice." <laughs> Yeah, if your exhortation is not comforting me, then it's not exhortation right. anymore. It's not. Yes, exhortation should not be subjunctive. This is what you should do. <laughs> this is what you could do. It's so good for you to do this. It will be so good for you. No, <laughs> Ixnay. No, shoot it down. Shut it down. Stifle it. Push it down. Bury it in the backyard deep enough so that the dog can't dig it back up. Right. I mean, if you're going to, in the English sense of the word, exhort right. someone to anything, it's to exhort yes. them to receive the comfort of the there gospel, we go. to receive, 100%. to, rem- to, to yes. run to their baptism, to receive Christ's body and blood for their forgiveness. Right. Right. That's actual yes. comfort. Ex- yes, exhortation. <laughs> Comforting <The> comfort, exhortation. <laughs> yes. The comfort of Jesus against all sin and death and hell and the wrath of God. Right. By the way, that, what we just that that brief conversation we just had just goes to show how fallible a brain is because we're talking about the paraclete i say no it's not that and then you say it is and i'm like oh yeah of course it is what else would it be <laughs> i knew that ugh mia culpa for in the words and for in the word and sacraments you bring jesus 
to me, and having him I have all I need. Let me always know and believe this as your true work, to point me to Jesus and to deliver him to me. Think about how amazing that is. The last week or so I've been meditating on this because I I mentor a guy uh, who's going to seminary and talk with some other young pastors. And as you know, too, somewhere between when you and I started in the ministry and now people came in after us who now see us as the older guy. <laughs> no, I don't understand it. <laughs> but yet not so old that we're still relatable, right? <sighs> and thus, one of the things I've been meditating on, because I hosted a Winkle this past week, is how relaxed I've become, mm. especially the last 10 years of ministry, mm-hmm. and relaxed in the sense of just pray and wait. I'll say that so often to people, pray and wait. Just pray and wait. Read Psalm 46, pray and wait. Yeah, or and, don't worry about it. <laughs> and for certain, I remember a time when I would say that through gritted teeth, that I would force myself to say that because I didn't entirely accept it. Ah, I see. Because there was still too much of me that wanted to fix the problem, help, rescue, give advice, give my opinion, put a book in their hand or whatever it may be, versus nowadays, it's simply, oh, we don't have that, pray and wait. Yeah. Pray and wait for the Lord to supply it. Maybe it happens today. Maybe it happens five years from now. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. Maybe the Lord gives us something else in his place, but the Lord will answer our prayer. He promises. Mm-hmm. But again, the as Buto points out, even our prayers are not our prayers. But and, and, the, and he's just riffing off Romans 8. We do not know how to pray as we ought to. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. The yeah. Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Yeah. Therefore, even when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the Holy Spirit is the one praying that in us. Hmm. So, And there again is comfort because why am I praying this? Why do I trust in these words that Jesus gave us to pray? Well, because it's the Holy Spirit doing it, not me. It's yeah. God's work, not and I mine. Wonder, I wonder if we're just not um, self-critical enough to recognize that if we try to take any credit for any of this, right, um, it doesn't go end well. <laughs> oh, just just crash and burn. <laughs> Sometimes epically. It's sometimes as an epic crash and burn. Well, and maybe maybe it's because it isn't always epic. Maybe because sometimes yeah. it's just it's, kind of yeah. subtly, like Stubbing it's not your toe. full on despair, but it's just <laughs> mm-hmm. like it hurts a little bit. Right. Um, that we don't recognize that it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't have to stub your toe. You can turn the light on. Yeah. Yeah. Or have the light turned on. <laughs> yes. Passively. Let me, He. you bring Jesus to me. And having him, I have all I need. How simple is that? Mm -hmm. Let me always know and believe this as your true work to point me to Jesus and to deliver him to me. Keep me from speaking about you and your work as if it is somehow unrelated to the son and the delivery of his gifts. Mm -hmm. Make me to know how it is you work among me by giving Christ into me, for he is the one to whom you bear witness. All praise and thanks, O Holy Spirit, that your work has been fulfilled in me through the preaching of Jesus Christ, my Savior. I therefore exalt and magnify you and give you all glory 
and honor along with the Father and the Son, with whom you are one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Dude. Wow. That's that's exceptional. Really. Shout out to again to to Mark for that. It is as Lutheran as it gets, really. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll go out there with you. If you disagree with any part of what we just prayed, you need to turn in your Lutheran card. <laughs> that was because that was it. That that literally is a mic drop moment, man. It doesn't get better than that. Well, and I love I love the one line right there. Your work has been fulfilled in me, and that's the thing that people really yes. have a hard time with is to say that we're like a work in progress. And Ugh, yes, and you're like, eh, did your baptism not accomplish it at all that's right did it not take is it kind of like a well and that's how we view baptism of course by nature is that it's like it's a rite of initiation it's kind of the classical term um and it kind of gets you get your motor running <laughs> but mm-hmm. it doesn't head you out on the highway that that's your work right yeah. well and it goes back to the old cliche if god is your co-pilot you're in the wrong seat <laughs> <laughs> so well we want to armchair quarterback um, yeah right you're like oh really just water that's that's what you're bringing to the table some yeah, water yeah yeah what else you got ah, let's fire i mean head coach at, sure. at least abraham had to cut off his foreskin i mean that that at least requires some dedication some nerve uh, yeah. but this this is this is nothing i can i can do this at home in the sink it's like i know it's awesome <laughs> he makes it so simple even a caveman can do it hmm you remember that commercial? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, Geico or whatever it was. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so that's it for that section of the Catechism Prayer Book on the third article. I think we're going to do one more for you folks. And uh, so come back next week for a brand new episode of the podcast. We will dive back into the Catechism Prayer Book, meditate on it, marvel over Pastor Buto's work. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you do, one, go order the book. It's available on Kindle, yes? Uh-huh, yeah, and paper. And, and paper. Order it and support the ministry and the mission of higher things. If you like this and you want us to do more stuff like this, buy the book so we can afford to do more projects like this. <laughs> there you go. Go buy the Heidelberg Disputation, the translation that we published just in time for conferences this past summer. And uh, please go leave a positive review for us on iTunes. Check out all the other material and resources on the Higher Things website that we are making available to you. We are constantly working to improve the website and make it easier to navigate and access those resources. Check out the legacy content we're publishing. Be on the lookout for new podcasts and series that are will be coming up in the, in the months and in the new year. And as always, we thank you, we appreciate you, and we love you. And so we'll see you next time. Peace. 